Today's guest on Multimillionaire Secrets in 30 Minutes is the CEO of Punishment Athletics, an MMA equipment and clothing line. He is a UFC Hall of Fame fighter, having won the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship at UFC 25 against Vanderlei Silva. Tito, let's kick this off with a simple question. How old were you when you became a millionaire, and what did you do to earn that money? I had a dream. As a young kid, you know, coming from a Democratic Party, my mother and my father, uh, my mother and father had a drug problem. Uh, my mother got away from drugs, pulled me away from drugs at the age of 13. I moved back to Huntington Beach, got into wrestling. Uh, when I got into wrestling, I just uh, couldn't realize I wanted to be on varsity. And how do you be on varsity? Is you got to work hard. You know, you got to do the extra repetition, weight training, extra running, just the hard work and dedication that, uh, to be a champion. And I understood that right off the bat as a freshman in high school. So I was able to transduce uh, that into fighting uh, when I was a, was a freshman in college. And um, I, I went through some hard times, don't get me wrong. It wasn't all of a sudden, you know, everything was blue skies and easy going and sales, I mean, easy selling, but it wasn't. It was a lot of hard work and dedication that I sacrificed uh, for it. Uh, before I got into junior college, I kind of started hanging out with the wrong people, you know, as far as drugs and so forth and, and just being around the wrong people. And I looked in the mirror one day and I kind of realized uh, I was turning to my parents and it scared me. I had to kind of take a, a reality bite down and, and think about what I wanted for my future. And what I, what I wanted for my future was be successful, to be that Hulk Hogan, to be that uh, Muhammad Ali, to be, be those guys that uh, were in professional sports and their own respectable sports. But to find that happy medium in mixed martial arts, and I was able to do that. You know, I, I never fought before before I fought in the UFC. I never did any jiu-jitsu before when I fought in the UFC. All I did was wrestle in uh, high school and college. Um, I wanted to be a high school wrestling coach and uh, a resource teacher to help the kids off the streets, away from, away from drugs, uh, away from gangs. That was my main focus uh, before I got into fighting. But when I got into fighting, it was uh, for the first time in competition, I fought for free. UFC 13, May 30th, 1997. I fought for free, so I wouldn't lose my scholarship. And once again, there goes sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice something to hopefully get something out of this. And what I got out of it was something I would never have thought I would ever learn, and that was mixed martial arts. And I was able to work really, really hard. After a year and a half of competition, I became the UFC world champion. And like I said before that, when I fought for free at the UFC, I went back to school after uh, – my junior in college, me and the coach didn't see eye to eye. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to move back to Huntington Beach. I'm going to try this fighting thing out full force. And that's when I became the world champion. And I fought the first time for 25 grand. And then all of a sudden, $25,000 turned to $150,000, $150,000 $250,000. And all of a sudden, I was making really good money and got bigger and bigger and bigger just because of the things uh, that I was doing of being the world champion and be trying to be successful. But once again, it came down to the triple D's, you know, discipline, um, dedication, and devoting my life to the thing I loved, and that was competition. I saw the nice cars, I saw the nice houses, being living on the water was always my goal, being able to buy my mom a home, that was always my goal. And uh, how was I able to make those goals happen was just uh, set them one by one. You know, all of a sudden I had to throw a bunch of goals down and say, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna complete each and every one of these things, I'm just taking one at a time. And as I took it one at a time, it was, uh, not easy because you know, none of this has been easy. Um, I've never came from money. I, I, I've always been a self-made millionaire. Um, and I've been fortunate through my fight career. 
but uh, owning different businesses through my fight career, not only just keep me relevant, but be able to make uh, money for my family. And it's, it's been really good. There's been so many different ways of making money, but the big checks have always been through fighting. Decent checks have been through doing appearances. Other decent checks doing motivational speeches. Um, and then making okay money through Punishment Athletics, which is my clothing company that I've had since 1999. Um, I stepped into the uh, used car business about uh, two years ago, and our, my business lasted for about three years, and it was just a, a little too shady for me. Just uh, people trying to make a couple hundred dollars off of other couple people. It's just not something I really want to put my name on. And uh, when I got in the car business, that's how it was. But, I mean, we're doing almost $500,000 a year uh, in the car business because it, it was uh, – Every household needs a, needs a car, um, and I understood that. Then I started a management company, Primetime 360, and it was the business acumen. It was the hustle. And I, I could think back just to reflect on it was as a kid when you know, I was 11, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, fishing on Newport Pier, selling fish for two, three bucks a fish, um, getting the guy's phone numbers and going, you know what, when we start catching uh, Benita, I'll give you a call and come down and buy more fish. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I was about to ask you about that, uh, your early experience catching fish and selling them, very early entrepreneurship. Can you actually tell some of those stories? Yeah, so um, in Newport Pier, um, I take the 43 bus from Santa Ana. Uh, it was, I think it was 75 cents. Uh, I take the bus all the way down to Santa Ana from, uh, all, I mean, all the way down to Newport. And we'd go on the pier and I'd have my few fishing poles. Um, we'd have a bait rig. Um, I'd catch bonita, catch uh, live sardines, use live sardines, cast them in, catch bonita. We'd catch one bonita after another, and uh, we'd sell them anywhere from two to three bucks a piece. If we got shoving those sand sharks, we'd sell them for like 20 bucks a piece. But it was just uh, uh, the hustle. I think it was just I, I wanted to feed myself, <laughs> and the way to feed myself was to sell fish. So I understood that. And uh, I think just the sacrifice and rewards that came from it, being 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, selling fish on a pier. I mean, that sounds like crazy to a lot of parents. I mean, it sounds crazy to me as me being a father. I mean, I would never let my kid go on the pier and for that long a time taking the bus down the, uh, to the pier to make that happen. But back in my days, it really wasn't a problem uh, at all with anybody bothering children. So I think uh, that was the difference. So... When you were in the UFC, obviously the first fight, as you said, was free because you didn't want to lose your college scholarship. And then the checks would get a little bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And then all of a sudden, world champion, much bigger check. One of the common themes I've heard from successful people is they have done a very good job of not thinking so much about the money, but thinking about what they need to do to accomplish their goals and the money follows that. Did you think like that or did you think about the money and you had like a monetary goal or you were just worried about the process? How did you approach achievement? I think it was the process of success. It was the process of knowing that I could be great. I can um, have an opportunity to be the greatest person to ever dress the octagon um, in the UFC. When every, every one of my fights, and I've had over 28 fights in the UFC, over 16 wins in the UFC, five title defenses with the UFC. But every time I stepped into the cage, it was never about the money. Once I started making the walk from the hall or from the dressing room into the hallway, hallway into the octagon, it was never about the money. There was never an idea in my mind of going, I'm going to make a million dollars off this fight or I'm going to make two, three million dollars off this fight. To me, it was about competition. I was looking at another man and saying, who's the better person? Who's the better fighter? Um, who put in the hardest work? And sometimes I came up short. Sometimes I came up great where I had my hand raised. Uh, sometimes we both had our hand raised. 
But each and every time that I did compete, uh, I put my life and soul into it. And it was never about the money. Um, and it was just, I mean, I'm, I've been competing now for 23 years. And I'm still competing. And I looked through after 23 years of competition, each year there was times where like, all right, I had to fight because I had to pay my bills. I had to fight to make sure I, I kept my mortgage payments down. I made sure to keep my, my, my children fed, been able to buy a car, I'm able to buy a gift for my mom, being able to buy a home for my mom, being able to do these things. But I look back on it and it was never about the money. It was, I mean, even to this day, I mean, I make over a million dollars a fight. It's still never about the money. I get paid to train. I fight for free. I fight for all my audience. I fight for all my fans. I fight for them, for my family, of showing that I'm a better fighter, showing that I'm a better man, um, not just against my opponent, but in life in general, just with hard work and dedication. You have that discipline, that dedication, that determination. Those are the things that get you past the hump of just saying, you know, I'm just going to be an average person having a nine to five job working at McDonald's. I was never going to be that person. And yeah, I, I did. I mean, I, I worked at a pizza place. Um, I worked at, at a, uh, was it Mazzotti's uh, bar, downtown Huntington Beach as a uh, bar back. I, I did security. Um, I did roofing, framing. Um, I did long line fishing. Um, I did deckhand work. I've done plumbing. I've done cabinetry work. I mean, there's so much stuff that I've been able to do, but I looked at something that I want to love to do, something that I wake up every day and go, this is what I want. And fighting was that thing that I wanted. And uh, just to be successful as I possibly could. I, I kind of, I don't want to say look down upon, but I, I have been talked bad about uh, the company that I used to work for just because I was always outspoken. I've always been the person to say, you know what, you guys are making $70 million on this pay-per-view and I'm only making a million. What am I doing different that other boxers are doing? And uh, there's never an answer for that. And we still have that situation now in mixed martial arts, but I think uh, you got to work for what your name is worth and you got to work hard. You got to think outside the box and not just be the sheep amongst the rest. You know, you got to be the wolf outside of them. You got to be the person willing to work past what, the other people would do. And that's always been my work ethic. Um, anybody that I've ever worked with, either it's UFC, Bellator, uh, Gold Boy, MMA, Kabata uh, Americas, every single one of those companies that I've worked for, I've always been a pleasure to work with just because I think uh, it makes someone's job a little easier. It makes your job easier and all around everybody has a good time. So when you were getting these big checks from fighting, there's a lot of people that are fighting UFC, Bellator, any of the organizations, and everyone's having a fight. But then you have someone like yourself that's making tremendous amounts of money, yes, for being a champion, but also because people want to tune in and they want to pay to see Tito Ortiz fight. So what are the marketing lessons that you could share that took you from being someone like, you know, where you'd have a Demetrius Johnson in the UFC, unbelievable fighter, but no one wants to part with their money to watch this guy fight. How did you become or wants to see fight? Well, you know, I really think it came about of the, uh, the heel figure, you know, the people who's someone who hates, but then they love to hate them. Um, I was that person. I was that person. I was the Huntington Beach bad boy where, you know, people love to hate me, the things I said, uh, the things that, but it was never against, personally against the guy who I fought. You know, I, my rules about um, trash talk is you don't talk about a person's family, you don't talk about a person's religion, and you never lie. If you can keep those three rules in trash talk, you'll have great trash talk because you know the guy who you're fighting and what, how, how to pick them apart, you know, how to just uh, manipulate their minds so they're not able to compete at the top level that they should be competing just because of the stuff you said. Um, 
I've understood that by watching Muhammad Ali, by watching Hulk Hogan, you know? I remember Hulk Hogan back in the day in WWF where it was like, say your prayers and take your vitamins, brother, to Muhammad Ali saying, I'm the greatest. But these are types of the things that people remember for the rest of their lives. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, those are the things that I worshiped. Those are the things that I was like, wow, I wanna be like that. And I had that opportunity with mixed martial arts. And I, let me tell you, man, I didn't miss a skip. I, I didn't miss a step in anything I did in my career. I did everything, not outlandish, but I did everything uh, to a respectable manner where, you know, people respect me. Either they hated me or they loved me. There was never anybody that right down the middle, but I did it respectably. I did it with integrity. I never stepped on anybody to get ahead. And I think that's important because what you give out is what you're going to get back. And through my whole career, I've been trying to be positive and uh, did it with integrity. It's important. Did you have a moment where you thought consciously, I'm going to become this character where you either love me or hate me, but either way you're buying the pay-per-view or it just ended up that way? I think it truly just ended up that way. Um, I was a brash kid from Huntington Beach, grew up in the punk rock era. Um, we said what was on our mind. If not, you put your dukes up, you fought it out, and either you won or you lost, uh, but you lived another day compared to a little difference in the gangs in LA where guys didn't put up their dudes. They put up guns and they shoot each other and kill each other to be done. So this is a totally different, I think, aspect on it. Um, as a competitor and as an athlete, that's what I want to compete as. As an athlete, I'm not a fighter. I don't like to fight. This is not something I'd love to do. But when it becomes a competition between another man to see who the best man possibly is, I'm willing for that task. I'm willing for that goal. I'm willing for that uh, opportunity to show my skills. And I think I've done it time and time again through my career. You know, I've had eight surgeries. I've had uh, three knee surgeries. I've had a back surgery. I've had four neck surgeries. I've had an eye surgery. And I'm still competing. I mean, to this day, I'm, I'm healthy now, finally. It's been from 2003 to 2007 that I had those problems. And finally, I got them all fixed. You know, it took me three or four years to... Um, recover after those, but I still competed each and every year. Either I was in pain and I did it, or I had no pain and I competed wonderfully. Do you view business as a competition? I think business is a competition. You got to wake up, you got to grind. Um, you got to do the right things of hard work and dedication. Like I said, the triple D's, discipline, um, determination, dedication. You got to have those things in the business world. But I think it's really important. And um, I mean, I kind of want to kick myself in my butt right now, but uh, trying to get over on somebody is not the way to do right business. I think uh, being honest, um, being transparent, um, never try to get over on anyone is the right business. And that's the way I've always tried to do. You know, like I say, when I talked about the car business, T.O. Auto Group, it's, it was my company with my name on it. But all of a sudden, when people started getting over on others, I was like, this is not what I have to worry about. I shouldn't have to go to bed and look in the mirror and go, God, I, that guy just got $200 over me. Uh, I shouldn't have to think like that. And I think being respected and have the um, integrity to do right business is the most important thing. And at the end of the day, I'll have two things the rest of my life. I'll have my name and I'll have my word. I refuse to tarnish my name, anything and everything I do, and I'll fight to the death for it. Um, I, I really will be honest as most, I mean, as honest as possible. And, you know, at, at the end of the day is me keeping my word. And it's not just keep my word to my fans or my, or my business uh, partner, but keep my word to my family, to my kids, so they know that dad is uh, really telling the truth. And um, honesty, like I say, being transparent is very important. What do you think were some of the biggest lessons you learned 
as everyone does when they initially go into business and it's like, wow, this isn't as easy as I thought it was. This is, uh, this is something new. I got to learn these skills quick. What skills or stories do you remember jumping out where it's like, that's not what I thought would happen? Um, well, you know, I think I got to be the same, you know, idea when I started doing the car business. You know, I thought that, oh, yeah, we'll go buy cars. It's easy. We go to go buy used cars. We'll buy like 15 of them, um, turn them around, make $1,000 less for each one, and um, come to realize it wasn't like that. You had to go out and you had to check out every single car. The guy who you're buying cars from said, oh, yeah, no, that car is fine. Don't worry about that one. Don't worry about that one. Don't worry about that one, which you were getting loaded, which meaning that uh, the cars weren't what they're saying there were. So you had to go run through them. You had to run through and check the CRs. You had to go look at the tires. You got to look at the brakes. You got to look at the body. You got to look at the interior. You got to look at all these different things to give your own CR. Then you can go back to him and say, you know what? You said that car was worth uh, $10,000, but truthfully, it's only worth uh, 8500 And he's like, oh, you've seen that. Oh, you've seen that. Oh, I didn't think you'd see that, but I guess that's just the car business. But I think that is one of the things that, I, that I've learned um, over the last five years of uh, people are willing to get over on others for a few bucks, which shouldn't be. What'd you learn from the clothing business, from selling MMA equipment and clothing? Well, for selling MMA uh, equipment and clothing, um, I mean, I started back in 99, and it was, uh, how could I get it the cheapest to me so I could sell it to, you know, um, my buyers at the right price and not overprice it, you know, back in the day when Von Dutch was about and pants were costing anywhere from 190 to $200. And I'm trying to sell a $20 shirt. Um, I, I would go to uh, LA at the garment district and I would find uh, samples and I'd be like, okay, we'll do this sample, this sample, this sample. And I'd purchase it. I put it in my own band and I'd drive it to our printer. We print them out and I put it on punishment.com and we sold really well. But uh, that was strictly in the uh, clothing business that uh, was marketing was a huge job. It was a big job to have marketing. You had to do the marketing. You know, I had stickers, I'd do flyers, I would do uh, eight by tens of myself wearing punishments, I would do little fighter cars, I would do so much stuff as promotion to give back that uh, it worked. It's a worldwide uh, a brand and mixed martial arts a punishment, you know, from Japan to Thailand to, um, gosh, Sweden to here in the United States, Brazil. I mean, I, I've been everywhere around the world promoted as much as I possibly can. What's the weirdest opportunity anyone's ever pitched you on being Tito Ortiz? You know, in other countries, sometimes these things take a life of their own. What's the weirdest opportunity that was ever pitched to you? And I think it's being pitched to me right now, actually, of uh, fighting Abu Dhabi. Um, they want me to compete in, or excuse me, Abu Dhabi, uh, in Dubai. They want me to uh, compete in Dubai. So uh, when the sheiks there have a lot of money to spend and they want competition, they want uh, entertainment, uh, they're willing to pay a high dollar for it. And uh, I think that's one of the weirdest ones I'm working on right now. I can't get into detail about things because nothing's close to be done. But uh, it's a big one, and um, I'm happy for it, knowing that uh, – I'm so recognized as uh, one of the greatest, and I appreciate it, man. If it wasn't for my fans, I wouldn't be where I am today. And that's an event that's an MMA, or that's a uh, submission event? MMA. That's an MMA event? Yes, sir. How much has the business of MMA changed since you got into it? How much has it changed since I got into it? Wow. A lot, because I was when I got into it, I was always trying to educate the fans of what mixed martial art was truly about. And then they came out with the Ultimate Fighter that I did two seasons of uh, – we got to educate the fans of what the sport was truly about. Now it was about to educate the fans of how the fights were going to happen, how, you know, what to understand between a takedown, single leg, submissions, how the fights were won. Because um, there were so many differences to win a match. 
um, the comparison of boxing and MMA is like trying to compare checkers to chess. Chess, there's so many different ways to win. In boxing, you know, there's forward, laterally, and uh, you win. So the, there's a big difference. So to, to show the fans what mixed martial arts is truly about, it, it, it's been hard to show them, but it's been great to watch them cheer when they see a takedown, when they see a triangle submission, or they see an arm lock. It's like they understand the fundamentals of mixed martial arts. And it's cool to see the difference now that that, that has been done. You know, um, there's fighters like Johnny Bones Jones, uh, Conor McGregor. Uh, was it? I keep saying Khabib, but it's actually Habib um, Menenov. Um, these guys are the best in the world because they've been doing it for such a long time. You know, I, I started competing at the age of 22 years old. I didn't do it when I was in my my teens. I did. I wrestled, but I didn't do kickboxing. I didn't do jujitsu. Um, I, I didn't know what those things were. But these guys have been doing it for such a long time that now it's a different generation of fighters. But it's great to see. Um, hopefully these guys will continue to make more and more money. Uh, you know, the brand of UFC does amazing. The brand of Bellator does amazing. The brand of Kamata America is growing. You know, right now with this COVID-19 um, uh, going on, it makes it a lot harder for the competitions to happen. But UFC is doing it. It's showing that's why they're the number one brand in mixed martial arts. Um, they're making them happen in Florida. They're making, trying to make them happen in Las Vegas. I know they're working hard uh, for the mixed martial art uh, community, and it's nice to see. So boxing is still financially such a much bigger sport than mixed martial arts. What do you think it will take to get fighter salaries and event purses to the level of uh, boxing money for the MMA to get there? Well, you know, I, I think number one is uh, branding. Uh, whatever boxer or MMA fighter it is, you got to brand yourself. You see guys like uh, Conor McGregor. Um, he's been a champion. He, he's worked his butt off, but he's talked it, and he's backed himself up every time he's talked. Um, only a couple times he had against uh, Habib. That's the only time he's never had uh, backed himself up. Um, I think the difference is uh, guys going out and promote. If you want to get paid the big money, you got to do the promoting promoting yourself, uh, thinking outside the box and just being a fighter, uh, being outspoken, but you got to do with wins. I mean, that's what I did when I was the champion. Uh, having five uh, title defenses at the UFC, I had to back it up. Yeah, I talked a lot of smack, but I had to back it up. There's so many former fighters um, that talk so much smack that have such a better name than guys who have been champions that it just uh, – it shows that marketing is very important, not only in mixed martial arts, but in business in general. Where are these fighters, like you have a Connor, where are they learning their marketing skill? Because you have these other champions that they're unbelievable fighters, but from a marketing perspective, it seems like they just never picked up the skills to become the level of star that you are or the level of star that a Connor is. And they're just kind of in this area where they're an unbelievable athlete, best in the, one of the best in the world. They just don't get paid like it. Well, I think it comes down to confidence. It's confidence how you want to be perceived on uh, television. You know, it's the confidence uh, in yourself when you step in, you got to fight. You know, you got to back your smack that you've been talking the whole time. You got to back it up. You've got a guy like Demetrius Johnson, champion for a long time, did not get the endorsement opportunities and did not get the marketing piece. You figured out, Connor figured out, and some of these other fighters. What would you have done if you were him, where he is backing it up in the octagon? But on the business side, he's just not putting the pieces together. Well, it's either you got to find the right management, either the right management or think yourself as a business. And I don't think he really thought himself as a business. He thought about training. He thought about being the champion. And 
that was it. I mean, he had old Hulking, I think, was it 14 world titles or 16 world titles, I believe. And you hold that many, you better do something. I mean, call out the heavyweight. I mean, it doesn't matter. Do something that not all the other fighters are doing. And that's what I understood. Like I say, I, I take a, took a page out of Muhammad Ali's book. You know, I talked, I talked, I talked, I talked, but I backed it up. Um, or Hulk Hogan, you know, I was that flamboyant, bright colors coming out and I said what I wanted, you know, have a Mexican-American flag, flame beanies, flames on my shorts, bleach blonde hair. These are different things that I understood of uh, marketing. And there's other guys that can and, and, and have the opportunity to do that for, but are not confident enough to make that happen. And confidence is everything, not only just in fight game, in life in general. Confidence is everything. If you don't have enough confidence, you're not going to be successful. So how would you tell someone that's considering either launching their own business or taking their career to the next level? How do they, if they have yet to have success, start to develop the confidence to go out there and pursue their dreams? Well, you know, I, I think it really just comes down, um, as I can think about it, and, and as I grow up, and people that I've uh, done business with is scared money don't make no money. <laughs> you got to be willing to spend a little money to make some money. I mean, I, I, mean, I can think about it where I used to do my own t-shirts. I would get about free t-shirts. I would do uh, fighter cards. I would give them out free. I mean, this stuff that I came out of my own pocket, uh, there'd be times that I take a little bit of a, a little bit of a pay cut on some things just to make sure I got into it. And, and that's important. But I think at the end of the day, it's just dedication. You got to dedicate to yourself to something that you love. And if you're doing it just to get the days go by, you're doing the wrong thing. You got to do something you love where you get up and you're like, I want to do this again. You want to do something thinking outside the box. Well, just think of the person you work in, the business you work with. There's 15 guys that do exactly the same job. Well, there's 15 guys, they all work together as a team. How can you be that person outside to be the leader to make that team stronger and finding the best people? I mean, that's what I did in my career was I found the best jiu-jitsu, the best wrestler, the best kickboxer, the best boxer, the best weight and conditioning guy, and I'd bring them on my team. And I want them to push me to put me in these championship levels or these championship ideas. So when I would have went to bed at night, I was like, I got the most work out of this. Now, take it on the other side as a business uh, moniker of just getting the best people around you to make your business solid and strong. And that is what is important. You know, um, but you got to do it with integrity. And, and it's hard because there's different businesses out there. People are willing to get over on another person just for a few dollars. And that's not the way life should be. You know, you should treat others the way you want to be treated. And that's how, how I always always learned through my career. So when you meet someone that's pitching you on a business deal. And I get a bunch of them, let me tell you. Yeah, you probably get them all day. What's the first way that you go to evaluate the person? Uh, first way I go to evaluate the person. Um, so I guess for the average person, you can Google them. <laughs> yeah, it uh, makes perfect sense. That's what I usually do. Yeah, um, that or you do a little bit called street Google, uh, talking to their friends, uh, talk to your friends, uh, talk to the business partners that they did work with. Um, it's kind of like the street hood mentality. You want to know about that person, uh, see who he associates himself with, um, who's his group he hangs around with, um, is he trustworthy? I think I keep bringing up these trustworthy things because as a child, I never really had that. So I had to always look over my shoulder and make sure someone wasn't taking advantage of me because there was opportunities in my life that people were taking advantage of me. But if you're willing to make a strong team, you got to be willing to someone to all of a sudden it's three in the morning, you need something done, you pick up the phone, you call him, and he's there to be there for you. And that's a, a great business partner. And I think that's what's really important. Um, now in businesses is making sure you have a strong team. That stable team members that you have for your team is going to make your business strong. And that's important. 
I mean, maybe you're not super great at mathematics and you bring a mathematician in to help you with the problems to solve these problems or uh, literacy and, uh, and doing these uh, separate things for grammar and you have the person do the right thing. Well, now you can build a business in general. I mean, just to kind of portray, I mean, kind of portray exactly what happens is Donald Trump for a reason. You know, he's, by my standards, uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest presidents because he has people that work underneath him to help him with the problems he needs help on. And those are the top people in the world that he's worked with. So I think that's a great opportunity to see that this country is going to be run great. And it has been the last three years because we're trying to keep uh, trying to attack him because how like, successful he truly is. And uh, in business, it's the same thing. You've got to be successful with the people you surround yourself with. If you don't have people who don't want to be successful, you'll never be successful. That business will never be successful. So you've got to work outside the box. You've got to be able to work 24-7, seven days a week. When you're taking time off, someone's working for you. And when I worked with Donald Trump back in 2005, those are the things that I asked him was, how do you stay a millionaire? Well, he said you got to have five sources of income coming in every year. Um, I'm at source number four. He's all, he's all, how do you become a billionaire? He's all, well, you have those five sources running themselves, and you have another five source coming in, and you keep running them until they run themselves. And then you go start another five. I was like, that sounds like a lot of work. You go, do you want to be a billionaire? Yes. So I think it's just the hard work. I say the hard work at the end of the day of having the right team together to make it all make sense. And uh, it, it's never easy, but uh, at the end of the day, when you go to bed at night and you brush your teeth and you look in the mirror and there's nobody behind you besides yourself, and you realize that you know, it wasn't really that hard. I just put my, I asserted myself the positive manner and doing the right things the right way. Awesome. Tito, in closing, really appreciate the interview. I think there's a lot of good stuff for people to learn from here. Uh, any closing advice that you'd want to give someone in today's day and age that's starting out on their own business or branding themselves? Um, anybody out there that are starting their own business or branding yourselves, rule number one, make sure you have it in black and white. Everything is, should never be a handshake. Everything should be written in black and white, even if it's your best friend, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad. Everything should be in black and white no matter what. Because at the end of the day, business will ruin a relationship if you don't do it the right way. It has to be in black and white, transparent, where you both understand it. And uh, just work as hard as possible with integrity. Never try to, try to step on anybody to get ahead. And do these things uh, just thinking how you want to be treated, how you want your business to be ran. And uh, I'd rather work for a company where the boss comes over to me and, and doesn't think he's better than me and comes pat me on the back and says, thank you, man, you're doing a great job. That's a gratification I would love. And I think uh, a lot of business owners, um, a lot of people who want to start businesses, keep that, um, that acumen in your mind of just uh, treat people the way you want to be treated. Awesome. Some great advice. Tito, I appreciate you coming on here. And I think it's going to be a lot of value to a lot of people. And I wish you the best of success in the future. And hopefully see you on an event in Abu Dhabi real soon. Yeah, right. Well, let's see so. Awesome, man. Thank you. Have a All good right, day. All right, take care. You too.